Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 363. What I needed to do was replace the word perfectionism with coward, because that's what it was. It wasn't that I was a perfectionist. I should have said, I can't launch Entrepreneurs on Fire because I'm a coward. What if you could interview 3,000 of the world's most successful people and from those interviews distill 17 things they all have in common? That'd be pretty incredible, wouldn't it? Well, you don't have to because my guest today has spent the last nine years doing it for you. Welcome. This is the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I'm Jeff Brown and believe that if you want to achieve true success in business and in life, then one thing you better make sure is on your list is intentional and consistent reading. Read to Lead is designed to help you narrow your reading list and bring you the key insights and main ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And that author today is John Lee Dumas, host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, a hugely successful podcast. And we'll be digging in today to his first traditionally published book called The Common Path to Uncommon Success, a roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. I'm going to ask John to share about the critical steps he took on his way to building a million-dollar-a-year business and what he's learned from these 3,000 people he's interviewed, why he believes perfectionism is really just another word for cowardice, the role systems and building a team have played in his success, and lots more. You know, one of the reasons you listen to this podcast may be to help build an intentional and consistent reading habit. That's tough for a lot of people. Then there's the part where you want to try to take action on what you've read, to take what you've read and put it into practice. That's harder still. And that's why I've written a book about how to do all of those things. And it's available for pre-order right now. I'd love for you to check it out. It's called Read to Lead, the simple habit that expands your influence and boosts your career. You can pre-order it now by going to readtoleadpodcast.com slash book. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash book. And even if a consistent reading habit or taking action on what you're reading isn't an issue for you, I'm sure there are people in your life who it is an issue for. I encourage you to consider picking up copies for them. Again, it's readtoleadpodcast.com slash book. John Lee Dumas is the founder and host of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, with over 2,500 episodes, 1 million-plus monthly listens, and seven figures in annual revenue. John says he ain't slowing down anytime soon. Uh, He's uh, just come out with his first traditionally published book. He does everything just a few months before I do. He launched his podcast 10 months before I did. He launched his first course a few months before I did. Now he's coming out with his first traditionally published book a few months before I come out with mine. I'm chasing him every step of the way. It's called The Common Path to Uncommon Success, A Roadmap to Financial Freedom and Fulfillment. It's been a few years since you've been on the show here, John, way back in episode three. Welcome back to the Read to Lead podcast. 
Fired up to be here, brother. And you know what they say about pioneers. You know, you can tell us because we're face down with arrows in our back. So you're doing a smart thing by letting me kind of lead the way, get all those arrows, and then you just kind of walk on by and be like, that's a sweet looking property over there. I think I'll take that right next to the river. I love it. I hadn't really thought about it like that. That's a good point. <laughs> well, back uh, early in my radio career, uh, many, many years ago, I learned a phrase that stuck with me for all this time. And that phrase, and I, I repeat it to a lot of my, my podcast coaching clients, many of whom have come to me through you. I th- thank you for that. Uh, and that phrase is, is this, the more laser-like your focus, the broader your reach. The more laser-like your focus, the broader your reach. Why do you believe so many people struggle with this idea of drilling down and niching down and getting really, really specific? Scared. People are scared. They have doubts. They have fears about so many things in life. And one of those doubts and fears is, if I niche down to this place where I can literally be the best solution to a real problem, there's not going to be a big enough audience to support me. Because I see people like the Kardashians with their billions of followers and like that's how their empire works. You need to identify one real problem in this world that you can become not just a solution to, not the second best, not the 10th best, the best solution to a real problem. And that's how you're going to win. And it's going to take you niching down until it hurts to do it. (laughs) And by the way, that's where you start. That's where you get initial momentum and traction. And over time, when you do things right, you will be able to grow an empire of your desire. Like I you know, started with my tiny niche of a daily podcast, interviewing entrepreneurs back when nobody listened to podcasts. And I've grown it into a multi-million dollar a year media empire with books and courses and fill in the blank, everything. But it took me becoming the best solution to a real problem. And that's what it's going to take for you as well. Uh, I see a lot of people who struggle for one reason or another with identifying an appropriate mentor or even the desire to want to seek out a mentor. That's something that very early on in your journey, you realized the value of. How did you go about looking for mentors and what, what criteria did you use or did you have a criteria in mind? So back in my younger years, I was an officer in the U.S. Army. And one of the things that makes the U.S. Army the best military in the world is the fact that we have an unbelievable mentorship program. So when you join as a butter bar, which is a little gold bar in the center of your head, which makes you a second lieutenant, which is the lowest ranking officer in the army, you are immediately assigned a mentor, a first lieutenant who is 18 months ahead of you. That person has been in the military for somewhere between 18 to 24 months. And like that's the time and grade it takes to be promoted to becoming a first lieutenant. And that person can remember what it was like to be a second lieutenant because they used they were just there months ago. Mm. Um, but at the same time, they've had almost two years of experience. So they've learned a lot. They've made their own mistakes. They've guided you. And, and I saw that was the only way that it would work because you come into the military clueless about everything. You need <laughs> guidance. You need a mentor. So I was just like, well, of course, I'm going to do the same thing in, in, in entrepreneurship. And I was shocked when people were like, really? Like, you're not just going to like do your own thing and like figure it mm-hmm. out, you know, jump out and let your parachute <laughs> unfold as you, as, I'm like, no, in the army, we don't jump out of planes, you know, without a parachute. Like, no, like we, we make sure everything's lined up and we do things because we're talking life or death here. And I was like, I just don't understand why this isn't more of a common thing. I'm like, I want to be a successful business podcast host. So I want to find a successful business podcast host to mentor me. Not somebody who's 
been doing it for 10 years. They can't resonate with me because they're mm. 10 years down the line. They don't even know what it's like to launch a podcast because they did it a decade ago and things have changed. But mm. what if I found somebody that just did it 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, and that was Jamie Masters. And I hired Jamie, the podcast host of The Eventual Millionaire. And guess what? She was a successful business podcast host mm. within the past 18 months. And so who had launched within the past 18 months. So she was able to be my perfect mentor, guide me on how to launch my podcast about the people I needed to connect with, the things I could avoid, the things I can't avoid, what I have to do, what I shouldn't do, all the mistakes that she made, all the networks and connections that she had t taken two years to build, I got like almost handed to me in some ways overnight, all from that one decision of finding somebody who was currently where I wanted to be and specifically within the past 18 to 24 months. Connected to that, closely connected to that, in my own research on on personal development and, and taking a cue from the, the hundreds of people that I've interviewed, every successful person I know is or was at one time a part of a, of a mastermind group. That's something that certainly impacted me greatly in my journey these last 10 years. How important is this concept to the entrepreneurial journey in your view? With accountability, you will win. Without accountability, you will lose. Mm. I'm just a black and white person. You're not going to get much gray from me. You're not going to. In fact, when people try to live in the world of gray, I think they're wasting my time because I want this way or that way. I want a complete answer or no answer at all. Mm. So I'm just going to give you guys black and white answers here. Like literally, you need to be part of a mastermind. You need to have accountability because without it, you will do what all entrepreneurs do without accountability and you will let fear, doubt, stress, anxiety, overwhelm, the imposter syndrome, cower you into a corner where you will hide and you will fade away into nothing because nobody really cares. People care about themselves and the, their life because they're busy. But I hate to say it, like nobody's gonna care if you stop doing your podcast or you stop servicing your, offering your product or if you stop doing this. They're just not gonna care because they have so many things to care about. You mm. stopping doing whatever it is that you're doing is not going to be that big of a deal for them. You know, it's just not going to be because we have busy, busy, full, chaotic lives. So when you flip that script and you actually become part of a mastermind, of an accountability group with three or four other people who you meet every single week with for at least an hour and you are there to support, guide, hold each other accountable and, you know, be a big part of each other's growth and success, you have such an amazing chance to succeed because now you're going to be setting meaningful goals every single week and you're actually going to accomplish them, which mm. you won't, by the way, on your own, but you will when you know that your mastermind is going to be like, hey, no excuses. No, no excuses. Like you didn't accomplish the thing you said you were going to accomplish. You failed. You failed. Pick yourself up, double down, accomplish that goal and the next one this coming week. And that will keep you on track. Everything else won't. You talked early on about fear. Talk a bit about your own experience of, of facing the fear almost nine years ago now, hitting publish that first time. What was it like for you to finally get over that hump and, and maybe offer some advice to someone who's struggling themselves to uh, just create the content in, in the first place? So I, I was an officer in the army, like I said, for eight years. I spent 13 months in Iraq. I got shot at. You know, I experienced near-death mm. experience for, for 13 months while being deployed and it takes a lot of courage to live in that world. And I will tell you that when it came to launching my podcast, I was a coward. I was a 100% coward. And I say that because guess what? I'm a human being. And human beings have fears. We have doubts. 
We have the imposter syndrome, thinking, why should we create something? Who would listen to us? Why should they listen to us? And, and we just let this overwhelm us. And then this is the word that we use, Jeff, that I really want to bring out here. We use the word perfectionism. We say, oh, wait, by the way, I'm speaking from my own personal experience here. Oh, I can't launch Entrepreneurs on Fire right now because it's not perfect. And I'm a perfectionist. And since I'm a perfectionist, I refuse to launch anything in this world that's not perfect. <laughs> now, what needs to happen, and I wish I had known this back then, because I, did, I, I played that game with myself for a month and paid for it dearly, by the way. What I needed to do was replace the word perfectionism with coward, because that's what it was. It wasn't that I was a perfectionist. I should have said, I can't launch Entrepreneurs on Fire because I'm a coward. And because I'm a coward, I need to cower behind this wall of fear and doubt and not launch my thing to the world because I'm scared of what people will say and what people will think. Um, I'm a coward. I just needed to own up to it. And guess what? It's okay to be fearful, to have doubts, to be a coward. It is okay. But now what are you going to do about it? Like you're a human being. These are emotions that you will have. Now, what are you going to do about it. Number one, it's going to help with you stop using the fake word of perfectionism mm. and you use the word coward because now you're calling yourself what you truly are, which is a coward and that's okay. And now let's get over it and let's launch and let's get it out to the world. And you know, another thing kind of baffles me as well. And you've seen this with people launching. They're just like, oh my God, like I just, I can't launch this right now because as soon as I launch this, like, you know, if I don't have this, you know, perfect landing page done that looks amazing, People are going to think that, you know, I, I'm sloppy. And I'm like, well, first off, alert. Nobody's going to listen to your podcast. So nobody's going to hear your voice. So nobody's going to take your call to action to this landing page that you're so stressed out about that nobody's ever going to see. So let's back up here. Why are you waiting to launch when nobody's going to be listening to you anyways? Because that is how everybody starts. Right. You're speaking to an empty room. Because why wouldn't you be? Like, do you just go around all day, Jeff, just like looking for brand new podcasts that are launching? Of course not. Mm -hmm. The right podcasts find you because they're the best solution to a real problem. I just found an amazing mm -hmm. podcast the other day because I went searching for the best podcast on sleep and I found it. And mm -hmm. now I'm subscribed, which by the way, quick note, Apple's going doing away with the word subscribed. It's now going to be follow. It's going to be the new mm -hmm. word, which mm -hmm. is a good thing because a lot of people think subscribing means they're going to be paying a subscription fee. So it's a pretty interesting and big change by Apple Podcasts. Uh, mm. you, you heard it first here on Jeff's, on Jeff's show. <laughs> but um, people will listen when you create the best solution to a real problem. People will beat a path to your door. Not day one, not week one, not month one. But if you stay there and you speak into this microphone and you provide the best solution to a real problem, people will find you. And the right people will find you. And you will build an audience that knows, like, and trusts you and you'll be able to ask them what their biggest struggle is. You'll be able to provide the solution to their struggle in the form of a product or a service or a mastermind or fill in the blank, and you will win. Speaking of that, John, what are some of the steps specifically that you took to sort of get at what that perfect solution should be for those enjoying your content? What, what steps did you take? When you want to find what solution you can become the best at, to solve somebody's real problem, you need to first identify your big idea. Not Jeff's big idea of read to lead, not my big idea of a daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. Don't be weak, pale imitations of us or of other people that you admire that are having success. And that's what most people will do. 
oh, look at what person X, Y, or Z are doing. They're having success. Let me launch a weak pale imitation of them. <laughs> and then they're surprised when they fail. Well, nobody wants a weak pale imitation. People want, spoiler alert, for the fifth time now, <laughs> the best solution to a real problem. Not the second best solution or the 10th best or a weak pale imitation of the best. The best solution to a real problem. So you need to sit down and identify your big idea. Your big idea. And then you sit down and you say, okay, within this big idea, there's a void that needs to be filled. There's an opportunity that is not yet being met. There's an underserved market that I can serve better than anybody else. That's discovering your niche within this big idea that you can own, that you can crush, you can become the number one solution to. That's how you get your initial foothold, your initial traction, your initial momentum is by identifying your big idea and then discovering the niche within your big idea that you can become the best solution to. Systems and building a team, I would say, have played a huge role in your success. I think you would agree with that. What advice, John, would you give to someone who struggles with doing everything themselves? They struggle with, with delegating to a team, with hiring virtual assistants. Number one, you're, you're probably doing too much. That's why you're getting overwhelmed. Like You're just like... I need to be on all the platforms. I need to be posting on all these different things. I need to be serving everybody and doing everything everywhere. Every time an email comes in with a question, I've got to give a 3,000 word response. <laughs> you cannot solve everybody's problem and you should not want to solve everybody's problem. You've got to pick your lane and become the single best solution to a real problem. And that's why step four of this 17 step process in the book is choosing a platform. Not choosing 15 platforms, mm -hmm. choosing a platform. And when you grow slow and steady the right way, the common path to an uncommon successful way, then you will be able to keep up. You'll be able to identify what's working, what's not working, and you'll see exactly what needs to happen in your business and how you want it done. You can document, you can create video tutorials of you doing this thing correctly. And then as the time is right, as you start generating revenue and building you know, a bigger business, then you can start bringing on a virtual assistant and training them to take things off of your plate that they can do that doesn't need or require your specific input, your specific content, your specific voice or brain or face. Mm. That's how you slowly and surely build the right team. You know, everybody just wants to snap their fingers, like shake, shake it all up and just poof. They have this team of 10 people that are doing all the right things while they're just doing what they do best and like everything else takes care of itself. That is the wrong way to build a foundationally strong business. The right way is one step at a time. And you're gonna go into seasons in your business. Season one, that's the grinding phase. That's when you're having to learn the craft. That's when you're having to take one step at a time, get 1% better. Season two is maybe, okay, now I have a little bit of revenue coming in. I can bring some people on, maybe one person at a time, to start to offload some of the things from my plate that I don't need to be doing. And then it can kind of grow as it goes forward. But even here, as I sit 10 years later, Jeff, I have three virtual assistants. That's it. I'm running mm. a multi-million dollar a year net profit business with three virtual assistants because we have identified the systems, the automations, the tools that make it work. And it doesn't take a lot when you know what you want, when you know the, the type of business you want to run. Gary Vaynerchuk wants to be running a 900 person company. I don't. <laughs> so I do what I can do and I want to do for my version of uncommon success. And frankly, you know, after I'm done book promo mode, and this was before for years, and now after, after I get through this three-month sprint of promoting this book, I'm back to working five days a month, five days a month. 
Mm. 25 days a month. I mean, listen, I'm answering emails. I'm doing a little bit on social media, but you know, essentially cruise control because I've built my business to work hard, really hard five days a month. Mm. And then to be on cruise control for 25 to focus on other things, health, wellness, fun, friendships, all these different things that I want to be doing. Travel, you know, Kate and I travel for an average of 75 days a year, um, Mm. usually in one stretch. So we're just gone and we're just traveling the world. Like that's the business that we built. And that's what I want people to actually do with this book is to sit down and probably for the first time in their life, actually identify what uncommon success looks like to them, specifically to you, because you're a unique person. Your version of uncommon success is completely different from mine, and it should be. But at the core, at the base, we all share these three desires. We want to wake up in the morning, and we want to do what we want to do, where we want to do it, with whom we want to do it with. That is the core of what the human being wants. And everything we're doing up here in the surface level, it's all trying to get to there, which is great. And it's a journey. And it's not meant to happen overnight. Like it was definitely not capable for me to do that season one or season two of my business. But over a decade, I've built my business to a place where that now is a reality and it takes time. And that's why, you know, this isn't titled The One Minute Millionaire. This isn't titled The Three Step Path in Three Days to Uncommon Success. Like this is going to be hard work, Jeff. People reading this book, applying its principles in their life and business, it's going to be hard work. Me building this business right here was really hard work. You building your business read to lead, it was hard work. But you know what else is hard? Being broke, living paycheck (laughs) to paycheck, waking up every morning, doing things you don't want to do, but you have to do, looking in the mirror and maybe even kind of like avoiding your own eye contact a little bit, just knowing (laughs) you're a little disappointed at how underachieving you are in life, which by the way, was my life for six years. Six years, that was me. Broke, paycheck to paycheck, underwhelmed, unhappy, unsuccessful, underachieving, And it came in 2012, I had the idea for this podcast. And Jeff, I said, building this business, building this dream business I have, this idea, this is going to be hard, hard work. But you know what else is hard? All those things we just talked about, Mm -hmm. being broke, unhappy, depressed. So either path that I chose in 2012 was going to be a hard path. I just chose my hard, which was to build my dream business. And everybody listening to this now can do the same. They can choose their hard I was just meeting with my mastermind group this morning and we were discussing many of the uh, details that we were aware of related to your book launch. Uh, We've seen some pretty unique things with regard to your book launch. Do you mind uh, sharing uh, some of the details of the process you've been going through to to get the word out about your book? So the first thing I did was identify what I called actually my dream 300. Mm. Like the dream 100 was really popularized by Chet Holmes and the ultimate sales machine. And I said, hey, if 100 is good, 300 is better, right? So I sat down, <laughs> I identified my top 300 you know, dream supporters of this book. And brother, I created 300, four minutes each on average, personal videos. Mm. I mean, personal, where I'm saying, Jeff Brown, this is John Lee Dumas, my man. It's been a while since I've been on the Read to Lead podcast and I went on for four minutes, very one-on-one. It was very personal. There was no editing to it. It was a straight four minutes, unedited, unclipped, unstitched video that I sent to 300, the 300 people that I really personally, honestly wanted to really support this book in a big way because they had big platforms. I've supported them in the past. We have friendships and relationships. And I also had three big asks and I was direct with it. I was like, listen, step one of my three asks, I want you to buy three hardcover copies of this book from Amazon. And the, and the why? Because 
Amazon's going to base their bulk order off of my pre-order. So mm-hmm. I want you to do that for me right now, if you'd be willing. Number two, I have an amazing bulk buy page where from 12 books to 1,200, what makes sense for your team, for your audience? I'd love you if you placed a bulk order. And then step three, you have an amazing platform. I would love to come on your platform. What does that look like? I'd love to come on your podcast, IG Live, Clubhouse, you name it, like, let's do it. And then I will say, you know, I can only do so many videos. I mean, that was 300, it took me weeks to do it. I did create, I then created one boilerplate video where I tried to be as personal as possible, but I made it clear on that one that, you know, this was... A, a more of a, of a boilerplate mass video. And I sent that out to over 2,500 people who I've had on my show up mm-hmm. um, above and beyond those 300, dream 300. And for that dream 300, I currently have, because the number is still going up a little bit as more people are kind of you know, coming around to my follow-ups, an 88% response rate thus far to that wow. email. That's incredible. And I think it would have been between 20 and 40% had I just done like a blast email out. You know, you never, you never really know what it would have been, but like that's kind of my what my intuition says it would have been around there. So, mm. so you know, my time and efforts I feel was very well used doing that because it's allowed me to you know get on some great shows like this that I otherwise might not have because you know people are just like oh he sent this out to you know thousands of people like, mm. but when I made it personal and then even I followed up when people didn't answer right away, people realized that like hey this guy's really like he's tracking it. This is him. This is John. <laughs> like he will be taking notes on people that don't respond, which I've been taking notes. There right now is currently 12% of people in my dream 300 who are effectively dead to me. And that's that's their choice, man. That is their choice. Oh, that is so funny. In the time we have left, I do want to ask you a question or two not directly related to Please the book. Do. Uh, before I do that, anything else from the book you want to make sure that we walk No, just with? the last thing is like, if you want to check out some more details about it, I have um, endorsements from Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, Neil Patel, mm-hmm. Eric Amandi, Dory Clark. The first chapter is free at this URL I'm about to give you. There's also five bonuses that are insane you can check out on the page and some other awesome things. UncommonSuccessBook.com. Well, John, I'd love for you to give us some insight into your history with reading. I know you're an avid reader and uh, talk a bit, if you would, about the impact that books have had on your life. I mean, listen, this is why I wrote this book, because I want to be able to hand this book to my audience who I know needs the answers within, because I get essentially the same 10 questions from my audience every single day, week, month Mm. of the year, hundreds and thousands of emails. And I can't answer these individually, but now I can literally hand them a book. I can gift them a book and say, the answers are here. Mm. And if you deserve the answers, you will get the answers in here. If you don't deserve them, then you won't get the book. You won't read the book. And best of luck to you. I've done what I can. It took me 480 hours to write this book to give you the Mm. answers. And now it's, you know, you can lead a horse to water, Jeff. You can't (laughs) make them drink. And that's, that's, you know, why I love books so much is because it's a decade of my life comprised into 273 pages of learning from 3,000 of the world's most successful entrepreneurs and comprising it down into 17 core foundational principles that make this roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. And brother, like when I read Think and Grow Rich back in 2011, like it prompted me to look around and say, I'm the average of the five people I spend the most time with and my five suck. Like they're not (laughs) evil people, but they're Debbie Downers. They're Don Doolittles. I need to up my average and I need to do it quick. How do I do this? And it led me on a journey to eventually launch a podcast where I could surround myself with the world's most successful entrepreneurs in a manner that you and I are doing right now. Mm. And this is like a little, you know, like presumptuous of me maybe, but like this book 
was written to be the modern day Think and Grow Rich. Like Napoleon mm. Hill went around to 30 people. I went around to 3000s. So like mm. I am looking to take his concepts into the 21st century and and I'm incredibly proud of the result. And books have always done that for me. You know, they are literally the cheat code. They are the fast forward button. Like right now, my passions are really based around health and wellness. And so I read books on sleep and I learn so much from somebody who's spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours, you know, studying these reports mm. that would frankly put me to sleep because I wouldn't <laughs> be able to go through them all, mm. but then putting them into like 100, 200, 300 pages of like really enjoyable content. Um, I read every night, you know, before I go to bed and this is, I read fiction books before I go to bed just to kind of let my mind relax and I fall asleep and, and I enjoy the excitement and the reading aspect of that as well. So I love nonfiction. I love fiction. I love biographies. Like I love consuming mm. books and I've always been a reader. And I'll say one thing, like my dad did a great job when I was really, really young. He always complimented me reading. Like whenever he saw me reading, he would be like, John, that's why you're so smart. Like you're reading books and like, or John, like that's why you knew that thing that you said yesterday because you're reading a book. Like he was always just dropping little kind of like compliments, just like little, you know, teasers of like, this is why you came in first place on this test, or this is why you're able to speak eloquently with good vocabulary to adults as a seven-year-old because you're reading books. This And so like, and he would always do that. And it just planted in my mind, this is such powerful stuff. And it made me excited. And you know, that's, if I ever decided to go down the, the road of, of fatherhood, that's definitely something I want to pass on to my son and daughter is, hey, this is a pretty awesome opportunity for you to sit down and consume real knowledge, real content. And I think in a lot of ways, it's even more important now than ever because bro, back when I was young, if you wanted to go outside and sit down, like a book was your only companion if you were by yourself. Mm. You know, now you have, you know, this thing right here is on everybody's hands and they play in all the little games and the little knickknacks and there's all this distraction. And But what are they really consuming content-wise, like of value? And frankly, it's mostly just distractions and reading to me books, so powerful. Well, this one, I think, is, uh, it's not presumptuous on your part, John. I, I, after having read it, I think it is destined to become the modern day Think and Grow Rich. Certainly got the I'm going to quote title. you on that. <laughs> yes. Uh, the book, again, is called The Common Path to Uncommon Success, A Roadmap to Financial Freedom and Fulfillment. Uh, John, it's always a treat when I get to talk to you. Thank you so much for, for being here. I enjoyed it, brother. Thank you. I've compiled a summary of this episode, including the links and resources mentioned at a page dedicated to this episode on my website. That is at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 363 for episode 363. Hey, I hope you'll consider pre-ordering my book due out on August 31st. You can go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash book. Again, it's called Read to Lead, the simple habit that expands your influence and boosts your career. In the coming weeks, we'll be visited by Michael Hyatt and Company's CEO, Megan Hyatt-Miller, also John Acuff, and next week, Alexis Thompson, author of The Power of a Graceful Leader. That'll be our last episode for March as we wrap up National Reading Month here in the U.S. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.